welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So as I said at the beginning of this series, self-regulation is something that we need to constantly be aware of and be able to support in all environments. So for the children and adults that we're supporting, it's likely that they already have ways that they support themselves when they're at work or when they're at school or when they're at, you know, clubs or things that they do. In the same way that they've probably already got ways, routines, um, characteristics of self-regulating when they're at home but it's really important that we can also as their carer or support worker find ways of helping to reinforce that as well so we're really helping them to understand how they can keep themselves calm or alert and focused when they're at home in order to manage their emotions and other things that may well change and fluctuate in the home environment as well as in external environments. So first of all, we need to start off in a very similar way to any of the other ways that we learn to support someone to self-regulate and that's through observing. So you know your child really well or you know the person you're supporting really well. You need to observe what they're doing. So what are they doing? When are they doing it? Where are they doing it? And then trying to understand why are they doing it? So the why may come from a specific experience that's happened that day. It may come from a certain activity that they're doing or something that they're responding to or processing. So you've given them an instruction and they are spinning around because that's what helps them to process the words and the language that you've just given them. And so when we understand that, we will then understand why they are doing that. And so because generally we have a really good understanding and awareness of our own child and the reason behind why they do things this can often come a bit quicker than if we were in an external setting so education or work so once we know why someone is doing that thing to regulate whether it is jumping spinning rocking chewing um avoiding something we can then identify what sensory systems that's relating to why they're doing that in order to help to regulate themselves so what is it about that activity that's helping them to feel calm or helping them to feel alert and and focused and then we can adapt that to other activities within that environment so what I usually suggest for a home way of self-regulating is finding all of those helpful jobs around the house 
to support that self-regulation. So things like washing up, unpacking the shopping, carrying the shopping, gardening, taking the bins out, all of these things are something called heavy work. And heavy work is something that's really, really supportive in our bodies to help us to not just feel where our body is and how it's working, but it helps us to piece everything together in order to feel calm. So think about how you feel if you've just been for, I don't know, a run, half an hour run, or think about how you feel after you've just done some stretches. You are really aware of your body and how it's feeling. And so therefore you can stay focused and alert on things for just that little bit longer. Those activities that are using lots of our muscles and joints are really, really helpful for self-regulation. So things like washing, unpacking shopping, gardening, putting the bins out, all those things that I said can be really, really helpful for self-regulating at home. Now, it might be things like tidying isn't quite so helpful because there isn't necessarily a beginning and an end. There's not an obvious start and finish. Whereas things like doing the washing up, you can see there's other sensory clues to tell someone when that activity is finishing. So it might be the pile of washing is finished. It might be that um, you're using the one bowl of water and that bowl of water is now really dirty whatever it might be. And so when you're thinking about finding these helpful jobs, think about that person's sensory requirements as well. So if they are spinning or jumping or rocking, try and find an activity that uses that motion as well. So it might be if they're a rocker, them pushing the trolley when you're in the supermarket. That's really great use of similar muscles. If they are a spinner, maybe it is helping them to put things away in the different cupboards in the kitchen. So reaching high, reaching low, reaching right, reaching left. All of these movements can be really, really helpful. And so then when you're doing things, as well as knowing when that activity's finished, you can also time things. So you can give an element of time that someone can then do that activity for because to begin with if you're a parent or support worker asking your child or the person you're supporting to do a helpful job just like all children they'll probably not want to do it and so just like other children we we have to find ways of encouraging them enticing them into doing those things to help us out and so it may well be helpful that having a timer is going to be enough information so that that person can see how long that activity is going to go on for or they hear a noise after five minutes or whatever it might be. And another way that you can help someone to regulate at home is by using visual schedules at home as well. Now this is something that's really common in education settings and care settings. However, it's not always something that gets carried through to the home environment. And that might be because 
families haven't been given the resources or it might be because you feel like you don't need it at home because routines are pretty consistent or your child can understand what you're doing and that's great however it is also really really important regardless of how much we feel that our child is understanding our verbal cues having a visual prompt is really really supportive if your child wakes up one day and is really struggling to regulate, they might find it difficult to manage their emotions. They may well find difficult to get dressed, to follow instructions, to do the things that they would usually do in their morning routine. Then having a visual schedule can be that one thing that's consistent, it's familiar, it's recognisable for them to feel safe because they're recognizing it as something that they see every day so having a visual to go back to to remind themselves oh i'm doing this now or i'm doing this next or later we're doing this we're going swimming because by having that visual focus it's really really helpful to help someone to manage their day to regulate themselves so it's not always about our own purpose of communicating a activity or um, a routine it's about the person that we're supporting and it may well be that you feel they don't use it they don't look at the visual schedule however that one day where you do have a big change because someone's coming to look after them or you're going on holiday or there is a different routine that visual schedule can just help to prepare them that little bit more with the fact that they've seen a picture that is different tomorrow. And so they might not presume that the routine's going to be the same. So that can be really, really helpful. So when you're considering ways to support someone to self-regulate at home, think about their specific sensory needs. So what is the thing's... What are the things that they're currently doing to regulate themselves at home? Um, we know that we recognise different behaviours at home than we do in other environments. And that can be because of structure and routine and people. However, as well as those helpful jobs, it's also really, really important that we consider all sensory based activities. So it might be that you think about physical activities. Can you get out and about and doing something physical? So it might be walking, it might be swimming, it might be climbing, it might be running. Think about messy activities. Can you do daily ones, you know, like cooking, but can you also just have some messy play, painting, fun sessions? Can you have noisy times? Can you have quiet times? Um, think about smells as well. How can you include smells into your sensory-based activities as well? It might be, again, through food. If you're supporting someone who is very um, oral orientated, so everything goes in their mouth. Um, or it may well be smells of certain environments. So um, cleaning products or wipes or washing detergents, things like that. And asking for them to give their opinion. Do they like that smell? Do they not like that smell? Is that a comforting smell? And maybe even going into the garden and finding smells. So going on a little smell walk and seeing what you can find that they really find comforting.
So there's so many ways that we can support self-regulation at home. I've mentioned ways that we can support it through practical, helpful jobs, things like washing, um, going shopping, gardening, considering timing activities, so whether that's a visual timer or an auditory timer, it might be something that vibrates. And then think about visual schedules as well. So having something to represent the activity that they're doing or they're going to be doing can be really, really helpful just to lower that anxiety, but also to help someone prepare for new activities that may be coming up as well. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensoryspectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.